Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Clinical Documentation Improvement and Integrity Podcast. I'm your host, CDI System Educator for WVU Medicine, Lena Belcher. The podcasts are designed to bring you content relevant to documentation practices as providers. At WVU Medicine, we want to ensure our records have quality documentation. Our goal in CDI is to improve education of providers on various subjects surrounding documentation improvement opportunities. Our guest speakers on the podcast join our program to speak about various topics, including specific diagnosis and documentation issues we see within WVU Medicine's health system. Please welcome back Dr. Evan Morgan, a hospitalist and physician advisor with WVUHS Physician Advisory Services. Thank you again for being a speaker. It is wonderful to have you again on our program. Hi, Lena. I'm happy to be back. Great. Our um, focus today is pneumonia. Um, we're coming up on the season for it, so we figured this was going to be a appropriate topic. Pneumonia in the clinical setting pr- presents in various forms, um, secondary to numerous processes, and due to different pathogens because of this, pneumonia has a multitude of codes depending on the processes and or pathogens of the individual patient and presentation. Can you give us a little information as to why pneumonia accuracy and documentation matters? And what are some of the most clinical, most common clinical indicators you see when diagnosing pneumonia? Sure. Um, I think when it comes to clinical documentation improvement in pneumonia, uh, the first key is to realize that, again, we're making a distinction between the lexicon of coding practices and that of clinical medicine. And for most topics, this creates a lot of confusion, angst, and anger that's engendered by queries for these things. I think it's particularly apparent when we're talking about pneumonia. So in the clinical world, we typically follow evidence-based guidelines that classify into pneumonia that many of our listeners will be familiar with, such as community-acquired pneumonia, the entity formerly known as HCAP, hospital-associated pneumonia, and ventilator-associated pneumonia. And these classifications are meant to be used clinically to guide empiric antibiotic therapy based on the bacterial processes uh, typically associated with these syndromes have been historically established. What isn't really clear to us as as physicians is that when we use these syndromes in our documentation, for coding purposes, they're essentially meaningless and do not have direct correlations to other codes. So for some context, ICD-10 was originally formulated in 1990 and took approximately 25 years to be implemented in the U.S. By comparison, HCAP was introduced by the ATS and IDSA in 2005 and has already fallen out of favor for use in clinical practice. It is fairly common for clinical terms, treatments, and diagnoses to change much more frequently than the codes that underpin them in documentation. When it comes to pneumonia, ICD-10 codes exist for pneumonia based on specific etiologies, such as pneumonia due to MRSA or aspiration pneumonia or pneumonia due to gram-negative rod. For coding purposes, any pneumonia without a specific cause or pathogen automatically maps to a DRG for a simple pneumonia as opposed to a DRG for a more complex pneumonia, regardless of whether you are treating community-acquired pneumonia or ventilator-associated pneumonia. Pneumonia without a specific cause will map to a simple DRG. The DRG in pneumonia diagnosis is not only what can determine reimbursement, but also determines the severity of illness, risk of mortality, and expected length of stay. By not capturing codes for a complex pneumonia, 
patients that require more intensive treatment or have comorbidities or a medical history that predisposes them to higher risk may appear to be dying more frequently than expected and admitted or remaining hospitalized unnecessarily. Absolutely. Well said, Dr. Morgan. Um, you know, unfortunately, CDI and CODI only have the documentation as stated to work with unless a query is sent um, to, determine, to determine which codes apply. And so with the pneumonia diagnosis, even though the provider may be directing treatment towards a gram-negative rod or aspiration pneumonitis, um, et cetera, we are unable to take that simple pneumonia or pneumonia unspecified diagnosis to a code that shows the severity of the patient's complex pneumonia without further clarifying through queries. Um, and so by stating HCAP, CAP, um, it really only tells us the setting in which you think the patient got that pneumonia, not necessarily the organism being treated. Dr. Morgan, what information can you give to providers to apply for those pneumonia patients based on your experience? Yeah, so I think clearly it's important to continue writing our notes that are based on most current clinical medical guidelines, diagnoses, and terminologies. But specifically with pneumonia, it's possible to kind of descriptively modify your documentation of these syndromes to explicitly capture codes that better reflect what the underlying potential bacterial cause of the medical syndrome you're treating might be. Uh, documenting a cause of pneumonia is straightforward in cases in pneumonia in which you have positive culture data. However, as we know, it's not infrequent to encounter cases in which cultures are negative or simply were not obtained. Fortunately, in inpatient admissions only, coding rules, coding rules allow for the use of particular modifiers to establish a degree of uncertainty in a diagnosis and still allowing that diagnosis to be coded as if it existed or was previously established. So these are where things like the terms probable, possible, cannot rule out, suspected, likely, and questionable can be used to modify them, which are acceptable as uh, establishing that diagnosis as if it existed. You have to be careful here because uh, it does not make sense to us necessarily, but uh, for coding purposes, using words such as covering for, empiric treatment for, suggestive of, and consistent with are not acceptable modifiers to use for uh, uh, in clinical documentation. So in order to reconcile uh, this practice with our established clinical syndromes in the absence of positive culture data, it's probably advisable to consider the reason behind the uh, recommended empiric treatments that you've used for the case. For example, if a patient has recently been admitted and treated with multiple rounds of antibiotics for recurrent UTIs or wounds, and then represented to the hospital with fever, productive cough, and an infiltrate on chest x-ray, and is empirically started on treatment with cefepime, or perhaps the patient recently had documented influenza, recovered, and then presents with return of fever, worsening infiltrates, and shortness of breath, and therefore, vancomycin is started in addition to ceftriaxone and doxycycline due to concern for post-influenza MRSA pneumonia. These presentations represent a more complex pneumonia for a patient. Additionally, clinical decision tools exist like the drug resistance in pneumonia or DRIP score for community-acquired pneumonia to risk stratify patients for drug-resistant pathogens that can be used to support a presumptive bacterial etiology for pneumonia. Even in cases where antibiotics are de-escalated after 48 hours with negative cultures, and clinical improvement, it is still acceptable to document a diagnosis which reflects uncertainty, especially if the treatments you prescribe for the appropriate uh, suspected bacterial cause are, are there. For the sake of argument, let's say the first patient was discharged home on amoxicillin clavulinic acid and the second one went home on doxycycline and septinir. 
In both of these circumstances, even if the cultures are negative, it is acceptable to document pneumonia suspected to be due to gram-negative rod and pneumonia possibly due to MRSA on the discharge summary in order to reflect and obtain credit for the treatment that required more intensive services or represented a higher risk clinical syndrome. Extremely helpful information and references to clinical practice, Dr. Morgan. I cannot stress the absence of culture enough to providers or payers for that matter. Most patients experiencing pneumonia have weaker coughs or a comorbid condition preventing them from getting the pathogen from their lungs or bronchial area up into a sputum cup. The culture cannot be um, used to determine if the pathogen exists. The culture can be used to validate a pathogen, but a negative culture should not invalidate the treatment prescribed or its effectiveness to alleviate the patient's pneumonia. Linking the pneumonia, as you stated, to a pathogen we suspect is causing the symptoms is ultimately going to determine how severe clinicians believe the patient's pneumonia is. So what warranted their admission or longer length of stay and how effectively we are preventing them from developing a worsening condition like sepsis or acute respiratory failure. Lastly, Lena, it's important to consider aspiration as a possible cause for pneumonia as it also maps to a DRG consistent with the complex pneumonia. And intuitively this makes sense uh, since typically aspiration is usually attributable to or associated with some sort of comorbid condition uh, that, that confers considerable risk upon a patient. So again, even in the event of an uh, absence of a witnessed aspiration or some sort of abnormal swallowing study, the clinical context and modifiers can be used to document likely or possible aspiration pneumonia. Anytime you're seeing a case with pneumonia, please consider aspiration as a cause of the pneumonia, especially in any patient that may have an underlying neurologic condition that predisposes them to swallowing issues, such as dementia, stroke, or prior history of brain injury. Aspiration can also be a very reasonable consideration in patients that have frequent vomiting, uh, peg tubes, any sort of head or neck or esophageal pathology. And also very important in patients that come in with altered mental status, such as cases of intoxication or overdose or severe metabolic encephalopathy, or even patients that may have had seizures or postictal state who are found to have the diagnosis of pneumonia. Absolutely, these are great points. Um, the cause of the pneumonia is equally as important as the pathogen. So you took the words right out of my mouth, as they say. Um, especially in patients, if you're treating them effectively and you're seeing them get better, then most likely it is that organism that you're treating effectively that's going to cause them to get better. Um, as always, Dr. Morgan, it has been wonderful having you on the program. Thank you again for helping clarify why pneumonia documentation is vital to representing how sick the patient is and reinforcing why the medical complexity and decision-making for these types of patients is important and has to be represented in the documentation. CDI at WVU Medicine work hard to help educate and facilitate accurate documentation for providers and to the benefit of our patients. Our main purpose for these podcasts is to collaborate with CDI and some of our best documenters here at WVU Medicine. So we are continuously looking to further represent how great our care really is here. If you have a topic of interest, feel free to reach out to our CDI team to focus on that topic in an upcoming podcast. Thank you as well, listeners, to learn about some best documentation practices. We have now had listeners from around the world in multiple locations across the United States. I hope you find these helpful. 
I'm your host, CDI System Educator for WVU Medicine, Lena Belcher. Happy documenting, everyone.